morning, everyone. It's always great to be here, and uh, it's always a privilege to come and have the privilege to come and preach to to you here at this church, and uh, it's always a real blessing. Before we actually start, let's uh, open the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for your goodness to us, Lord. Lord, we do praise you for the wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, Lord. We thank you that we could come here today to listen freely, without hindrance, without let, without any problems, to come here more about your word, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, today as uh, you use me to present your word, Lord, that you'd prepare everyone's heart here today, Lord. Lord, and everyone who is listening to this message, Lord, that they may understand their need of a Savior, Lord. We pray, Lord, that this message will go out. And as you, your word declares, it will never return void. And we pray, Lord, that it will have an effect in the hearts and minds and lives of the people who hear this message. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, today I wanted to tackle one of the great philosophical questions that have plagued man through the centuries. I'll put this uh, question from the world's perspective. And then look at it from the biblical perspective. First thing I want to say is, look at is what is philosophy? Now, my Oxford Dictionary describes philosophy as a love of wisdom or knowledge, especially that which deals with ultimate reality or with the most general causes and principles of things. Okay, sounds like a lot. But anyway, I, I look for another, a uh, couple of other definitions, and I've got another one here which says... Um, Philosophy is when scientists dabble with untested theories, relying on an unobservable phenomenon. Okay, still doesn't make that much sense. Another one I've got here is um, exploration of questions that most people wonder about. Okay, so I suppose we can summarize philosophy as the study of fundamental questions connected with our reality and, and existence. In every person, there are deep philosophical questions that pop up at some point in their lives. They may pop up early in their life, or later, throughout, or maybe even throughout their lives. So what questions am I talking about? Well, the questions that normally pop up is things like, where did I come from? Or, does God exist? Or, who am I? What is the meaning of life? These are some of the philosophical questions, and there are a lot more, um, that provoke man, to th uh, provoke man to think about where they are, who they are, throughout the centuries. And they try to answer these questions by many, many different ways. These questions, and other questions, provoke everyone listening to the message to find answers. Everyone who looks at these questions and thinks about these questions always thinks to try and find an answer. They provoked men to find answers many, many years ago. When I had these questions when I was much younger, a lot older now, uh, it, it led me on a journey and I started traveling. Um, I thought my answer would be traveling around the world. And I did travel. Um, as a young man, I 
covered nearly every continent in the world. I traveled North America, South America, Europe. I traveled, I was from Africa, so yeah, I was in Africa. I traveled around the, uh, South Africa a lot. I traveled to the Far East. I even went to Australia. Trying to answer these questions um, that were plaguing me. I went even to, to um, the Himalayas and Kathmandu and Nepal. Um, I was even in uh, uh, Tibet. I went to India, to China, looking for these answers. A simple off-the-cuff um, answer to these questions doesn't work. It might suffice for a short period of time, but when one starts thinking about the answers, they generate more and more questions. And it's only when the true answer is found that these questions will stop being asked. Now, for this sermon, I tried to do some research on some of the great philosophers <clears throat> of the world. And I'll try and use some of the quotations uh, which I found on, from these philosophers. Now, if you want to find more details on the deeper philosophical thoughts about these different uh, philosophers, such as Socrates and, and uh, uh, Plato and Aristotle. I'm sure Brother Eddie will be very good at the department and he can help on that department. <laughs> so I'm no expert on the philosophies of, of, of the old um, uh, uh, Greek scholars and uh, the different philosophers around the world. But my little bit of research online uh, helped me prepare for this message. So if you do go online and you look searching for the top philosophical questions, you get a large number. You get some which say the top five philosophical questions. You get another one which will say 10, and there's another one which says 65. So you get a large number of questions. Um, but some, sometimes if you look a little bit closer, you'll see that the question, different questions uh, are the same. You just ask differently. So what I want to look at today is the question is, where did I come from? Okay. Now, this question can also be asked in a couple of other ways as well, such as, does God exist? Or, who am I? So, let's look at this question, where did I come from? Now, according to modern philosophy, um, the train of thought about the speculation of the beginning of the universe, it goes back around about 2,500 years, Ever since the Greek thinkers, Phallus and Anaximander, asked the question, what was, what was the universe made of and where did it come from? Now, past that time we have Plato as well. Um, and he refers, Plato refers to um, uh, de Mergi. I presume I'm saying it wrong, but, uh, <laughs> but what it Mergi is uh, an, an entity. And Plato believed this demergy uh, or entity fashioned the universe and shaped the material world out of a chaotic, indeterminable non-being. Plato thought that there were four elements, which were fire, air, water, and earth, which composed of various aggregates of triangles, making various compounds, which was then the body of the universe. Sounds confusing, doesn't it? All right, anyway. 
what 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 um, this line of thought eventually leads down to is Gnosticism. Basically, what Gnosticism is is um, is that knowledge only comes from experience, and your knowledge of God comes from the experience. And I'm going to leave the old Greek scholars. I'm going to the modern day theory, which probably we're a little bit more familiar with. The modern day theory of where we come from is the Big Bang. In this theory, millions and millions of years ago, I'm getting there, millions and millions of years ago, there was a very dense, hot singularity somewhere in space. This singularity exploded and started to expand in the universe. According to NASA, the surrounding temperature, one second, one second, after the Big Bang, was 5.5 billion degrees centigrade. Now, I'm not sure how they measured it, or how they determined it. Uh, but according to this article uh, I read, this Big Bang theory took place over 13.8 billion years ago. Right? Okay, continue with this theory. This explosion and expansion and cooling over 13 billion of years led to a cosmic soup. And from that cosmic soup, life evolved. This evolution eventually led to humans and to where we are today. According to modern thinking, you came from the cosmic soup as a result of an explosion that took place between 13.7 and 13.8 billion years ago. So, according to cosmic thinking, uh, current thinking, who are you? According to the theory, you are a cosmic soup. You're from a cosmic soup. So there's no difference between you and that chair you're sitting on. Or maybe some food that you ate. Or the air that you breathe. This type of thinking leads to atheism. No need for God. Or God does not exist. What about God? So does God exist? What does the philosophers of the day say about God? Now, Zen Fanny's which was born 570 years uh, BC, said, men create gods in their own image. Aristotle, Plato's greatest student, said, men create gods after their own image. Not only with regard to their form, but with regard to their mode of life. This quote is really interesting, as when you travel around to the east, you see people worshipping different gods. Those in business and commerce worship the gods of wealth, and that's very prevalent in, in China and India. Those in the army will worship the god of war. And this is not too different from the Greek gods and the Roman gods who had the god of love and the god of war, etc. This is in line with the Gnostic teaching that knowledge is gained from experience. If I experience wealth, there must be a god of money. If I experience love, there must be a god of love. 
Frederick uh, Nietzsche, which was, who was born in 1844, is a very well-known German philosopher. He said, there cannot be a God, because if there were one, I cannot believe that I was not he. Okay? The theory of the Big Bang and any theory that precludes God from the creation leads exactly to this thought pattern. If you and I are meaningless dust and atoms, then I am my own God. And you have no authority over me, because you are no different from me. If God is not present, I am responsible to no one. As long as I'm bigger, or stronger, or wealthier, or more powerful, I will be a God, and you will worship me. Is this not true of our modern times? People are following, worshipping, rock gods or idols. And they're not shy about it. Movie stars are the new gods. Warren Buffett, for instance. The Oracle of Omaha. When he speaks, people stop and listen. The investment world stops and listens. What about sports stars? Whether it be AFL, rugby, cricket, baseball, golf. All these stars have become gods and are worshipped regularly at every game. Religiously on a Saturday or a Sunday. These become the idols of the world. People not willing to miss one game to worship at the altar of sport. There was a recent game, uh, a recent uh, fight recently. I'm not sure if anyone took note of it. The richest fight in all of history. It was between uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao. There was estimated that over three million people watched that flight, a fight on pay-per-view. And what they paid for, the privilege to watch that fight, a hundred dollars. Three million people. Not to mention all the Filipinos were watching their fight in the Philippines. All right? Mayweather made estimated 180 million, and Pacquiao made 120 million. And everyone, it was the biggest thing. All the movie stars, everyone was watching that fight. You had to be specially invited, virtually, to get a seat at the fight. Why? If God's not in the picture, well then, eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. But what does the Bible say? Where did I come from? Turn to the first book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read right from Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> the Bible says the following. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. 
And God saw the light, and it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the day, uh, dry land earth, and gathered together the waters, uh, uh, and gathering together the waters called the seas, he sees. And God saw that he was good, uh, it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass and herbs yielding seeds, and the fruit tree yielding fruits after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was sown. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seeds after his kind, and the tree uh, yielding fruits, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years and, and years. And let them be for the lights of the in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide, divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good and the evening and the morning were the fourth day and God said let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creatures that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven and God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly, after their kind and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures, uh, the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over the, all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, 
and every tree in which is fruit of, uh, of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Here we look at the Bible's account of the creation process. We have a clear description from the Bible how God created the universe. The earth and everything in the earth. We also have a description of how God created man. In this passage we get the answer for the question, does God exist? Verse 1 says, in the beginning, God. Yes, God. God exists. The answer to where I came from and who I am answered here too. You are a created being. You were created by God on the sixth day. God is the creator and you are the creature. This clears up any misconception that we may think of ourselves as being God. We are not gods. God is not created. God is. We, we may want to be gods, but we are not. Turn to Genesis chapter 3, just a couple of things. And we're going to read <clears throat> from verse 1 to verse 4. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall surely not die. The serpent here got Adam and Eve to believe a lie that you wouldn't die if you ate of the fruit. Continue reading from verse 5 and 6. It says, For God doth know in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be, shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. He convinced them that they would be gods. Like God. Believing that they are gods. The question you've got to ask yourself is, do you believe that you are a God? Do you shake your fist at God and reject His method of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world? Whenever you hear the salvation message, do you say, I refuse to hear it? Because I am the God of my life. I am in control of my life. Do you say, you, I will not believe. You cannot make me. I can do whatever I want to. And no one can stop me. Well, let's just turn to Job. Okay? We're going to look at Job chapter 38. So it's just before the Psalms. 
Job 38. And I'm just going to read some passages out of Job 38 and some out of Job 39. Here we have, in Job, some questions that God asks Job to answer. Job 38, we're going to read from verse, verses 3 to 8. It says here, <clears throat> Oh, I'm, I've got, I'm in Psalms. Oops. No one didn't make sense. <laughs> right, sorry. I've talked about Psalms and I've walked to Psalms. I went to Psalms. Okay. Job 38, verse 3. All right. Here's God asking questions of Job. It says, Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou understanding, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who hath laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, or who shut up the seas with doors when it break forth, as if it had issues out of the womb? as if it had issued out of the womb. Turn down, go down to verse 16. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee, or hast thou seen the doors of the shadows of death? Hast thou perceived the breath of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? Or uh, and as for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou should take it to the bounds thereof, and that thou shouldst know the path to the house thereof. Go to verse 31. Canst thou bind the sweet influence of uh, Pleiades, or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bring them uh, forth Maseroth in his season? Canst thou guide uh, Arcturus with his sons? Knowest thou the ordinances of heaven? Canst thou set the dominion thereof in the earth? Go to verse, um, uh, chapter 39, verse 19. And it says, Hast thou given the horse, uh, have, hast thou given the horse strength? Hast thou clothed his neck with thunder? Canst thou make him afraid as a grasshopper? The glory of his nostrils is terrible. He poureth in the valley and rejoiceth. In his strength, he goes on to meet the armed men. He mocketh at fear and is not afraid, affrighted. Neither turn he back from the sword. The quiver rattleth against him, the glittering spear and the shield. He swalloweth the ground with fierceness and rage. Neither believeth he that he, it is the sound of the trumpet. He saith among the trumpet. He saith among the trumpet, ha ha, and smelleth a battle of a battle afar off. The thunder of the captains and the shouting. In these two chapters, we see that God asks a number of questions of Job. Now ask yourself your, this question. Can you even answer some of those which were mentioned here? Not all of them, but some. You cannot, because you do not know. You are not a God. Well, maybe you're saying to yourself, 
Maybe later, when I'm older, I will follow Jesus. Now, I'll then repent after I had a good time. Uh, you know. I want to enjoy my life first. I want to work, maybe earn some money, uh, maybe become a CEO of a company, a big company. Um, I will enjoy my life. And then, you know, when I'm about to die, then I'll trust in Jesus to be my savior. So I have an escape hatch. Daniel Eicher, CEO, CEO of ABC Verlag. Carstens Schlotter, CEO of Swisscom. Pierre Wolfire, CFO of Zurich Insurance Group. Robert Wilson, executive of a hedge fund on Wall Street. Tim Dixon, director of Swiss REAU. William Brooksmith, executive of Deutsche Bank. Gabriel McGee, banker of JP Morgan. Mike Draker, Draker, Russell of Investment, uh, Russell Investments, and Richard Talley, CEO of American Title, an insurance company. Uh, who are these men? Or who are these people that I've just read? From the description, job descriptions are given, you can see that each of these people were at the top of the game. Each of these people were in charge of massive companies with lots of money. Robert Wilson, which I mentioned earlier, donated $800 million before his death. It's very hard to imagine that these guys would have want of anything. So what happened to these people? Each and every one of these guys, men that have reached the top of the pinnacle of business, committed suicide. Each and every one of them. They reached the top of their profession and they found no purpose. What was they left to achieve? Carsten Schuletter, Pierre Walthier, uh, William Brookshit-Smith, uh, they hanged themselves. Robert Wilson, who donated $800 million before he, he died. And Gabriel McGee jumped off buildings. Richard Talley killed himself by shooting himself with a nail gun seven to eight times before he died. It seems very sad when you think about it, you? that these men had reached the top of their profession. They came to the correct conclusion that there is more to life than what is in this world or achieving everything in this world. But they came to the wrong solution by killing themselves. Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, says, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Kurt Cobain of Nirvana, 
Michael, Michael Hutchins of Inexcess, Brad Phelps of Boston. Maybe some names that people might remember or know. Again, singers, musicians at the top of the game all committed suicide. The sex, drug, and rock and roll lie is empty. There had to be more to this world than what that had to offer. They came to the right conclusion, but they came to the wrong solution. Turn to Ecclesiastes, <clears throat> chapter 2. verse 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, from verse 1. And I said in my heart, Go now, I'll prove thee with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure, and behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainted my heart with wisdom, and to lay hold it on folly, till I might see what was the good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works, I built me houses, I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards, and I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. I made me pools of water to water thereof, uh, therewith, the wood of that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens, and had servants born in my house, also I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar, peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. I gave me man-singers man and women-singers and the delights of the sons of men as musician, uh, musical instruments and that of all sorts. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem, and also my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever my eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on that labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Vanity and vexation of spirit. The same thing happened to Marilyn Monroe, Ernest Hemingway, Prince Alfred of Edinburgh, Vincent van Gogh, and most recently, Robin Williams. Not one of them could find peace in their soul. Their souls were vexed, even though they may have everything in this world. They came to the same conclusion as, as, as Solomon. All this is vanity and vexation of spirit. But, they came to the right conclusion, but the wrong answer, a solution. The Big Bang Theory 
the atheistic beliefs, etc., take God out of the real world and makes people believe a lie that the physical world that we have is all that there is. But the truth and the real world that is out here, right in front of us, is that God is a creator. He created the physical world. But we know the scripture tells us that God is spirit. So the real world is one where there is a physical world and there's a spiritual world. Um, can we just turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12? I'm going to read some more from Ecclesiastes, from Solomon. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. This is Solomon at the end of his life, when he's old. He says, Remember now the creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in thee. While the sun, or the light, or the moon, or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow, bow, bow themselves, and the grinders cease because there are few. And those that look out of the windows are darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets, when the sounds of the grinding, grinding is low, and he shall rise up at the voice of a bird, and the daughters of music shall be brought low. Also, when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and the fears shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, and the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. Moreover, and moreover, because the preacher was wise, he, hath, he, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave them good heed, and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find out uh, acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. The words of the wise are as goads, uh, goads uh, and as nails fastened by the master of, the, uh, of assemblies, which are given uh, from one shepherd. And further by these, uh, my son, be admonished of making many books there is no end, and much studying is weariness to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Solomon tells us and teaches us that everything in this world is vanity. He teaches us that we should seek God while we are young. Before the troubles of the world beset us, before we get old and our eyesight starts failing and our ears get dim of hearing and our hearts get hardened, the Bible gives us the conclusion and also gives us the solution to the problem. 
Verse 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring to every work into judgment, every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God, your Creator, is going to judge your works. How are you going to stand before a holy God? How are you going to stand before a righteous God? You might say, look, I'm, I'm, I've been good most of my life. You know, my goods outweigh my bad. So what does God say? He says in Isaiah 64 verse 6 says, But we are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Have you seeked for God? Or have you decided or chosen to ignore God? Turn to 2 Chronicles. Go backwards. 2 Chronicles. Two Chronicles, chapter 15. Two Chronicles, chapter 15, verse 13. And it says here, That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether great also, uh, whether small or great, whether man or woman. God is not a respecter of persons. It does not matter whether you're rich or whether you're poor. Have you seek God in an acceptable time? Do you wish to go to hell and the lake of fire for all eternity? Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will give him mercy, he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God your creator loves you, his creature. Don't get the wrong idea that you even anywhere near God. There's more similarities between the, an archangel and a slug, or an archangel and a worm, than between you and God. An archangel and a worm were created beings. God is the creator. There is no difference. There's no, there's no similarity. Sorry. There is a huge difference. There is no similarity between a creator and a created being. God, your creator, loves you as his creature. You, his creature, has sinned and rebelled against God, your creator. You broke fellowship with God. The minute you sinned, you were born in it. You do not have fellowship with God unless you go through his way. The emptiness you feel in your soul can only be filled when your soul is again in fellowship with God. He created you. He knows exactly what you need to fill your soul. He knows what your needs are. 
No one else does. Your, your life partner, your, whether your husband, wife, no one knows you like God knows you. No one knows what you need like God knows what you need. Your rebellion, your sin, required someone to die in your place for you. To pay for that penalty. To restore that fellowship between God and man. Romans 5, verse 8 and 9 says, God commendeth His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The Philippian jailer asked Paul and said, What must I do to be saved? And he said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If the Holy Spirit is prompting your, your heart today, don't delay. Take Solomon's advice. Those wise men, the wisest man that ever lived. He says, remember now the, thy creator in the days of thy youth. I just want to finish with one more psalm. Let me turn to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. <coughs> Psalm 95 verse 6. It says, O come let us worship and bow down. O come let us worship and bow down now. Uh, bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God and we are the people of His pasture. And the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my words. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their way, in their hearts, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I sweared in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Without Christ, you will never have rest in your soul. These questions will continue to plague you throughout your life. There will be no purpose in your life. There will be nothing that your life will be worth. You can try and fill it with whatever you want to, whether it be gaining wealth. You could try and fill it with gaining wisdom by learning and studying. You can reach the top and pinnacle of any discipline or anywhere you want to go in life or try, whether it be music or whatever. It will be empty. The road to that, that end of that road is emptiness. You will have no peace in your soul. As God has said here, clearly, you will not enter into His rest. You will not have that rest. Only Jesus Christ, His Son, who died on that cross for you, if you accept Him as your Savior, repent of your sins. And come to Him and accept His way. Jesus says, His burden is light. His yoke is easy. Only when you accept Jesus as your Savior and restore that fellowship between God and you, can you have rest in your soul. Don't delay. Do it today. Amen.